So if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I'm sure you've imagined that. And if you've never imagined having superpowers, I think you've lived a pretty boring life. <laughs> but ever since I was a kid, I imagined I could fly. And I've actually done that in some of my dreams. I have been underwater and found out that I can breathe underwater and swim forever. Of course, then I wake up. Have you ever imagined you had the superpower of being faster than anybody, stronger than anyone, being able to shrink yourself so you're, you go into a bloodstream of someone or to spy on someone or to be so big that you could scare another person? So that's why we get fascinated with all of these imaginative superheroes. The Avengers. Kids watch The Incredibles. When I was a kid, it was Superman, as long as he didn't come near Kryptonite, and Batman and Wonder Woman. And our imaginations will take us in places and do things that, that are impossible. But we love to think about it. We don't like being tied to just being able to walk around. We like to be able to just be there. In fact, I, I would love to do that rather than flying on an airplane <laughs> and uh, wearing a mask and sitting between two big people. Of course, they'd say, I'm the big person. And then we wake up. It's not real. It's not real. And we live in reality. We wake up every day, we start every week, and we do not have those kinds of superpowers. But Paul is going to talk about supernatural powers that God does give to every believer. I want you to follow me on this. This is not make-believe. This is not just something that you're going to wake up and say that's not real. This is real. God gives to every single believer supernatural gifts to be exercised. And he's going to talk about that in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now, it's, it's in context with some struggles this church is having. And as I've shared before, we don't live in that day, in that time, in that culture. So we have to understand that first. But there are incredible applications for us today. And there are truths that transcend all of time that I believe will be helpful for us. So my prayer is this, that this, this message, this text of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, will be an encouragement to you for what God has done for you and what God's plans are for you. Paul calls these spiritual gifts. And, and we can take that word gift and also pair it right with the word grace. Grace is, is, is what God does for us that we don't deserve. You've probably heard that before. And it's a gift. It's, it's salvation and eternal life is a free gift. And this grace, these supernatural gifts, 
spiritual gifts are graces that God is wanting to work in your life as a believer. So we'll try to answer some of the questions that come to your mind because when you read through this, it's like when, when Paul writes things, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I get the, the fun of working through them during the week, but it's not always easy. The last several weeks have been a little bit longer <laughs> times working through things because I have a lot more questions. And I may not answer all of those for you today, but I hope that some of these will not just answer questions for you intellectually so you know something, but that you can understand it where it's encouraging and helpful to you as well. So the next three chapters, chapter 12, chapter 13, which is the chapter on love, and then chapter 14, these three chapters deal with the grace, the spiritual gifts that God gives to believers, some of the challenges, the conflicts, and things that, that people will go through. So let's start reading. I'm going to read 11 verses. You can follow along as I read. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. Your translation may say brothers and sisters, but he's speaking to men and women here. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans or unbelievers, these, these are Greeks, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all, listen to this, in everyone, to teach, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each, each one individually as he wills. Now you can see when we just read through that, could be a lot of questions. <laughs> And so in this message and in the next several weeks, so if I don't get everything answered here, we're going to be covering a lot of the different angles and facets of this over the next few weeks. I've titled this message, Supernatural, Exercising Your Spiritual Gift. And Paul's going to challenge us in three ways. Be informed, verses 1 through 3. Be involved, verses 4 to 10. And then be inspired, verse 11. So let's, let's just kind of walk through this. Be informed. He says about spiritual gifts, verse 1, Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now I think this is one of the biggest problems we have in the face of, of modern day Christianity is uninformed Christians. Because they're not in the word. 
they're not in the Word. For a lot of believers, all they get is a dose on Sunday or a dose on the radio or a little snippet of something. They, they just really don't get into God's Word. I'm not saying that we need to become all super scholars, but when you're in the Word every day, which you hear me probably ad nauseum <laughs> challenge you, be in the Word every day. Talk to God as you're going through it. Respond to it in faith. Then you are informed. Now, these people were being informed as they were in the old days as pagans. And, and, and that pagan really is just the, the Greeks without God, without Christ. Okay? And the way it was that we're informed by everything going around us. So you bring that into our present day. What happens to us when our kids get informed by popular culture? And they're not, it's not corrected by God's word. It's, it's not truth that's going to be shaping their lives. Because these pagan idols that really are mute, in other words, they have no life, they cannot speak. The truth that people think they speak is not God's truth. So we go back to the title of the whole book or the whole letter that Paul's right, Walk in Wisdom. And this, this is the plea, if we could sum up all of 1 Corinthians, say this, folks, walk in wisdom. And there are two kinds of wisdom. And Greeks talked about this philosophy, meaning the love of wisdom. They're all about philosophy, all about wisdom. All, but, but it's the world's wisdom. It is a wisdom of the age, of the popular culture, of the secular culture. And there's a wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is centered in Christ and his cross. We call this the wisdom of the cross, which to the world, he says in chapter 1, is absolute foolishness. Who would die on a tree? Who would give their life for others? It's foolishness to the world. But to us, why? It's everything. It's everything. It's really hard as a Christian to start my day off in God's word and talking to him, even if I'm taking 15 minutes, and walk into a, a culture, a world that is screaming everything else. I think this is true for our kids. You go into school, you go into the store, you're on television. You can't isolate yourself from this world, and, and God doesn't want us to isolate and you know, we used to say, we're all moving to Idaho. <laughs> and um, man, get away from all this. Well, God has us in this world for a reason. So how do we combat that? I think we are aware of the battle. We understand the nature of it. We, we're, we're given to the wisdom of God. We, we understand what's happening with the wisdom of the world. We're not going out picking fights with unbelievers, but we're able to in, engage intellectually and spiritually on a level that's, that's helpful to them. But I think this, is, this isn't a matter of your IQ when he says, I don't want you to be without knowledge or I don't want you to be ignorant. It's not about your IQ. Wisdom is the application of what you know in rightful ways. And so uh, this, is, this is his challenge, and the Greeks would constantly be debating philosophies, 
And I think that what, what happens is we come into a new life in Christ. Paul says this, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. That's true. When you put your faith and trust in Christ as your personal Savior, everything becomes new. Now, you still live in the same house. You're still driving the same car. <laughs> okay, but everything, the worldview is totally new. The center of truth is new. Your wisdom is new. If we're not careful, and this is what happened to the Corinthian church, is we drift back into our old ways. We, you know, I used to, we make fun about this when we go back home to visit family. Um, your old self can come out. Have you ever seen that happen with people before? I, I said, I've never seen any, them argue with anybody. Now they go back with their family, they start arguing. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you go back to the old ways. <laughs> All of us have this tendency in this world system and in this flesh to, to drift back, to, to drift back to the old way of thinking. And that's, that's what he is addressing with these people here too. So God is working his eternal plan, his wisdom for us. And he wants you to be informed. So follow this, informed and transformed. He wants you to be informed intellectually and transformed spiritually. It's not enough to just know about God, to know about Christ. You must believe. You must act in faith. I like to define faith as taking God at his word. So if he says this, then I'm going to believe it by acting on that. In what ways does God and his spirit work his grace in your life? And I want to I want to take just a moment and talk about three very clear ways that God is changing your life by His Spirit. Okay, and the three words you can write these down; they're not probably going to be new to you. The first one is salvation. Salvation or eternal life given to all is by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. That's Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> so, salvation is a work of God's Spirit whereby He changes your life. You go from a child of this world, a child of death, to a child of God. You have eternal life. You have His Spirit in you for as long as you're on this earth. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So, salvation, and I think most of us understand that, it's probably maybe one of the most elementary things we could talk about, but I never get tired of talking about it. In fact, if you could just push the replay button every Sunday, I would just tell you about how to come to faith in Christ because that's the most important thing in life. So salvation is by grace through faith, by the working of his spirit. The second work of his spirit is the word we call sanctification, which a very simple, a more simple word would be growth. How do we grow? So once you put your faith in Christ as your personal Savior, you have a new identity, you have a new home in heaven, you have eternal security, you'll never lose your salvation. That's great. But that's just the beginning because now God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. Let me ask you this. Are you growing? Are you growing as a believer? 
and he gives us what we need to grow. He gives us his word. He gives us access by prayer. He's given us, as we're talking here, his spirit to engage all of this together. And he gives us the body, the family, to encourage one another in that. So the spirit is central to all of this. So the Holy Spirit's gift of salvation is also moving to the Holy Spirit's gift of sanctification, which causes you to grow as a believer. And that ought to take place till the day you die. You never get to the place where you know it all. I love hearing new believers. They'll say, hey, Pastor Matt, you know, I just feel like there's so much I don't know. Well, join the club. I've been doing this you know, all of my adult life. And I still feel like I'm discovering new things. I'm seeing new things. And, and sometimes when I struggle spiritually, I think, oh, I was doing better when I was 22. You ever feel that way? You know, I, I, it, it, this whole life continues on as a growing process. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter says this, but grow in grace. It's a gift, grace, gift. Remember that? Grow in grace. The Spirit's working in you. Okay, the third is what we're going to talk about today is the grace of God by His Spirit for service. God created you to be useful. Anybody ever tell you that? Make yourself useful? <laughs> Listen, folks. It's great you came to faith in Christ. It's great that you're growing and you know so much. But God has you here on this earth, earth for a reason. He has you on this earth for a reason, to be useful in service. And this is why, to me, I get so excited about this because salvation, I mean, how can anything be greater than salvation? Well, you look at growth and how you're changing, your life is maturing and developing and you're learning things and applying things and you're watching people develop. And I've watched many of you do that. Now, this third area of the Spirit's gift is now enabling you, supernaturally enabling you to serve him. To serve him. And um, this to me gets very, very exciting. So that's Paul's first challenge. Be informed. His spirit is working his grace in your life. Salvation sanctification, service. So now we're going to dive down a little bit more into service. So that's our second point. Be involved. Be involved. Let's just focus on, this is really verses 4 to 10, but the key verses in verse 7, it says, but to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's a, that's a pretty loaded statement. So each one of us, every single person here, and I don't know everyone here, but everyone here who has put their faith and trust in Christ, this is saying that God has also given you the manifestation of his spirit for the common good. In other words, he's, he's given you a spiritual superpower a spiritual giftedness, a spiritual grace that is not make-believe. It is real. 
and, and it is eternal. It is real and it is eternal. So how does he do that? <laughs> okay, because, you know, if you ask me, I think, I don't really feel too super powerful. <laughs> I don't feel too gifted. And if you're like me, I think, what could I do? I mean, I don't have any special talent. This is different than talent. And there are two ways that, that I see this gifted, giftedness come. One, in gifted people. And two, in gifts given to all people. And I'll just, just briefly cover this to keep it at all in context. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, it, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work for the building up of the body of Christ. So we would call... There are four people that we would say are gifted um, for those things. Prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors, pastors and teachers. Um, he talks about apostle or, or apostles. So apostles are someone who are sent directly by Christ. So I don't feel like we really have the... the now, I'll just precede this by saying there are people that will disagree with me and say we have apostles today. I think only, the only apostles, true apostles, are the ones that Christ himself commissioned directly. Okay, so those, those are our past. Prophets would be speaking the words of the Lord before people had copies of Scripture. So now that the Scripture is complete, I don't believe that we have, in that sense prophets in that way and the last two are evangelists who are constantly telling the good news and then pastors and teachers and all that whole goal is to equip the saints but let's get let's get on to the gifts from verse 10 verse 4 to 10 we're going to talk about the following spiritual gifts and rather than reading through it again let me just list these and um We'll come back to them. Spirit of wisdom, of knowledge, spirit of faith, gift of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Uh, there, there are other lists in Romans 12. There's another list given to us. Uh, the gift of prophecy, the gift of service, the gift of exhortation, the gift of teaching, the gift of giving, the gift of leading, the gift of mercy, and the gift of hospitality. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, there's another list of spiritual gifts given. Um, speaking, preaching, serving, and um, all of these for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, let me, let me just say again... This is not, this is me speaking to you. I don't believe, when I look at all these lists, there's a lot of overlap. I don't believe this is exhaustive. I don't believe like there are just 16 spiritual gifts. And then we get into this thing of navel gazing, you know, uh, what is my spiritual gift? You know, get all wrapped up in that. Honestly, I feel like this, that God has uniquely gifted you 
to encourage the body of Christ with your spiritual gift. It could be a combination of things. And some of these are a little bit challenging as we work through. And let me just, I'll make a comment now and then we'll get into this when we get into chapter 14, like we'll, a few other things. When it comes to the gift of healing, um, gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, I believe that all of the gifts here are possible for today. <clears throat> However, they're not normative. They're not, let's say, normative. In fact, I, I have never watched a person getting healed. I have never heard a person, I've heard people speak in tongues, but it, it sounded a little bit odd to me when the person made the interpretation didn't match up with the scripture. So I'm thinking there's something. And, and then in chapter 14, he talks about this. He says, everything should be done not in a confusing way. God's not given us a, a spirit of confusion, but of peace. And everything should be done decently in order. So I'm not sitting in judgment of what we call the charismatic movement. <clears throat> they would say all of these gifts are full-blown all the time now. So a sign of your maturity is that you start speaking in tongues or you start uh, interpreting tongues or you're healing someone. I believe in the early church before the scriptures were completed, <clears throat> these were certain sign gifts to authenticate the gospel. And they were performed by the apostles and others in those early years. I, I, I have heard from credible people that I know that have a very conservative view of Scripture that have seen things happen um, on, on the foreign field where the gospel is new. I mean, people have never heard the gospel before. Um, Ross has told me things with, of dreams, the farmer family. Uh, I example of speaking in tongues. Um, there, so to say that doesn't happen today, I can't say this doesn't happen today, but it is not normative. And Paul's going to get into that later on. And, and what I don't want to do is get sidetracked with this conversation right now, <laughs> because then we missed a point. Um, we'll get to that. And by the way, if you have any questions, say, you didn't cover this, and write to me, and um, I'll get it into my sermon, because I've got, well, I've got as long as I, until I, I'm living, so I won't get it all done on one Sunday morning. <clears throat> so, not an exhaustive list. And I feel this, that God uniquely gifts you with a spiritual giftedness, power. It's supernatural. It is a super, I call it superpower, <laughs> that enables you to build up and strengthen and help and encourage the body of Christ. For some, it's teaching. For some, it's, it's acts of service. For some, it's opening your home and hospitality. Um, for some, it's preaching. You know, but, but he'll go on later on into chapter 12, we'll get into this next week, is that one of them's not important than the other. Some are more visible. Like, like this Sunday, I'm more visible, <laughs> but I'm not more important. But I'm doing what God's called me to do, exercising spiritual giftedness. This is, and, and what's beautiful about this is we have unity. This church has unity, but incredible diversity. Incredible diversity. So for you to be 
try to be like me would be very frustrating for you and for me and for everybody else. For me to try to be like you and minister the way you do would be frustrating for me and for you and for everybody else. So what I need to do is find out what is God's purpose for my life? What, how has he equipped me and how has he gifted me to serve with this grace, this, this gift, this spiritual gift? And um, it's not the same as some of you may feel heartbroken over this if you were a prodigy, but, uh, you know, everyone has gifted grandchildren, right? Um, they're just gifted. Uh, we're not talking about natural talent. <laughs> um, look at the disciples. They're, they're, these people are not pulled out of the higher echelons of academic circles, right? I mean, these are ordinary, everyday people that literally change the world. All of them are different. So you have incredible diversity, giftedness, and yet complete unity. And this is the picture we're going to come to, to the body in the second part of chapter 12. So I go back to Zechariah 4.10 where it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not your intellect. It's not your strength. It's God's spirit working in a unique way, in a unique person to minister to others. So, now the question that you've all been wanting to ask. What is my spiritual gift? Well, I'm glad you asked because if I have a spiritual gift test, I'd like for you to take. No. <laughs> you know, how you guys that are working in, in, in ladies that work in the corporate world, they've always got these personality assessments. You know, I mean, I, you know, Myers-Briggs and, and uh, on and on and on. I think, okay. Um, that, and, and there are things... That books that have been written on spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts tests that you can take and uh, then you can run around and tell everybody what your spiritual gift is. Uh, I, I like to think it's a little simpler than that. Um, not that that's, if you're interested in doing that and reading up on it, I, that's great. And I've read those books and, and they've helped me maybe a little bit. <laughs> but I think it's more simple like this. As you grow, okay, Get in the Word, talk to God about everything you're learning, and obey as best as you can. As you grow, it will become evident. It will become evident. You will find ways, whether it's opening your home in hospitality, going and sitting with someone in a hospital room, gift of mercy, um, gift of giving, that financially, and it doesn't mean that you're wealthy. That doesn't mean you're wealthy, but you just have the ability to give and give and give and help people. The gift of discernment, to discern things, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom. You know, there's so many different ways God can work in your life. And, and when, when you're growing, it starts overflowing and just, it's natural. It's supernatural, but it's natural. That probably didn't make sense. <laughs> As you grow... It will also be what you love to do. It will be what you love to do. Um, I love to have people in the home. Um, that's not me, by the way. I mean, I, I do if Diane's there. But uh, <laughs> she, she has a gift of mercy. I think Diane has a gift of mercy, gift of teaching, uh, hospitality. Many of you do. 
Um, not the same, but I kind of, uh, since she, I'm married to her, then I, I do <laughs> get involved in that. But it's what you love to do, and it's what you do well. It's, it's what you do well. So what happens is when I'm exercising my gift, it does, it does really three things. One, it glorifies God because, because he is looking down, seeing that what he, his grace given to me is, is working to service. It does you good because you're benefiting from my exercise, and I'm doing good because I'm benefiting from you. And then for me personally, you know, as God is pleased, you're benefited, and I'm fulfilled because I'm giving energy to what he's called me to do. I'm not trying to, to do something else. And, and to me, it's, it's beautiful how, how all of it works. I think another way, you know, one is, you know, become self-evident. What's your passion, what you're good at, and what others that are around you say, you know what, you're really good at doing that kind of thing. Now, some of you are going to say, I didn't get a gift. <laughs> well, it says here you did. Okay? So the best way to work through that is just get growing. If you just get growing, it's going to start spilling over. So you fill the cup, it gets jostled, it starts spilling over. And you will begin to exercise. Let me just, I don't like to focus on myself, but my own experience was this. Okay, I'm 18 years old. I finished high school. I'm, I'm a believer, but I'm not, I'm just kind of barely walking with God. Okay, not horrible kid. Anyway, I started reading my Bible. I've shared this before, but let me just, in the context of spiritual giftedness, I start reading my Bible because my friend kept telling me, you need to read your Bible. And God starts doing stuff. He starts changing me. You talk about, I was saved when I was young. I, now the sanctification, I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to get excited about what I'm reading. And so from the beginning of June, I had never spoken in public. I had never, I mean, I've been asked to before, I had never spoken in public, and it was the most fearful thing for me to even think about was speaking in public. So I go from getting excited about what I'm reading to wanting to share it with someone. Can you see how that happens? And then studying some more and sharing some more, and then someone said, would you like to speak on Sunday? This was at camp. And I thought, oh. for the first time I said, yes. And I go through the summer, reading more, sharing more, and then, then I'm starting to think, maybe God wants me to preach, but I don't speak in public. <laughs> It petrifies me. And I could go on about this. I would say this, that preaching, teaching, pastor, teacher are spiritual gifts God's put in my life. Because I have no desire to do public speaking in any other arena, any other place. Like if someone says, would you get up and do some speech on something? No. This stuff fires me up. 
Okay, so what I'm hoping is that it's being confirmed in my own heart. It's being confirmed by when you hear it. You know, some of you may say, well, Pastor, I think maybe hospitality is your thing. <laughs> um, but it'll be, it'll be the same way with you. But <clears throat> it's not more spiritual to be preaching or teaching. The more spiritual thing is you just exercising your, the grace that God has given to you in tangible ways for the body of Christ. And that's what makes us healthy. And I think that the problem here in Corinth was people were starting to compare. Well, I speak in tongues. Well, I have the gift of mercy. Well, I gave a big gift, you know. <laughs> um, and again, pride is at the center of all of that. So I believe this. God continues to work in your life and bring you to this. And, and I, I can tell you this, that if I, this is the truth, if, if I cannot do this, I'll die. I mean, I, I feel like I am compelled. Like people say, well, do you love to preach? I, I, I don't know if I can say I love. I, I am compelled to preach. I'm compelled to preach. And so, but that's only one of many spiritual gifts. You are just as much a believer as I am. You are just as much gifted as I am. Now, the key is determining what is that spiritual gift and be involved. So, last point, be inspired. <laughs> well, I hope you're inspired already, um, but I'm going to say a few more words just uh, as we, we wrap this up. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. In other words, all believers are empowered, given grace, giftedness, power, by the same Holy Spirit. He's what unites us. We're one in the Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So it leaves no one. He's saved you, he's growing you in sanctification, and he's using you in service. And so his power is to us, it's through us, or, or in us and through us. So it's, it's salvation has come to me, he's growing me with his grace, and he's also ministering to others in his grace, and it's always good. It's always glorious. Now, you can close your eyes and imagine yourself a superhero. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. I can fly. I can be invisible. Um, breathe underwater. All powerful. I've got all the moves <laughs> that I can destroy anyone. <laughs> and it's fun to imagine. But what I'm talking about is real life. This is reality. This is true, and it's proven true. I think it's fun to do make-believe stuff, but to me, this is even more fun <laughs> because it's real. And when we do exercise our spiritual gifts, God is pleased. The body, the family is helped and encouraged, and I personally am fulfilled. This is a great thing of his grace. So my prayer for us, and I'll, I'll leave you with um, three questions. My prayer is that we just kind of let this sink into our own lives. Three questions that I'll ask. Number one, what is your spiritual gift? As I said, I don't, don't overanalyze this, but if you don't really understand, if you don't really understand 
how God has gifted you and given you grace for others, I think you need to find that. And, and the way, as I said, get in the Word, get praying, maybe talk to some other believers. You know, this is the way we do this. Second question, what opportunities do you see for your spiritual gift? I can tell you, <laughs> there are always lots of opportunities. You know, if you have the gift of mercy, do we need that today? Gift of encouragement, exhortation, gift of helps, gift of hospitality, gift of teaching. We need all these. So what opportunities do you see for your spiritual gift? And then finally, how can you further develop your spiritual gift? So if, if God has entrusted me with, for me, it, it's preaching, exhorting. I don't want to be on cruise control. I want to continue to develop and strengthen preaching the word. It's not that I'm better in myself, but, but I'm more dependent upon the God's grace to use that gift to help me improve preaching. I've told you before, I've never felt good after I've preached a sermon. <laughs> um, even when people say, that was really good, Pastor. I, I, you know, because I, I feel like the standard's there, I'm always there somewhere. However, I, I don't want to lose that desire to do a better, to do better at communicating these incredible truths and to ignite in the hearts of our young people, the hearts of our kids, our teenagers, and our adults, a love for God's word and to follow it. I mean, that, that's what I want. And I hope that you, if, if yours is a gift of mercy, looking for those you can show mercy to or hospitality or teaching, that, that you would identify that, develop that, and then, then really continue to be looking for ways to, of opportunity. So what is your spiritual gift? What are the opportunities you see? And how can you further develop your spiritual gift? All of this, this is where the problem was in Corinth. It got to be, it's all about my gift. It's my gift. All of this is for God's glory, the good of others. That's it. And fulfilling his purpose for our lives with his grace. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and how blessed we are to have it. And I just pray that we would be encouraged this morning to know that your grace is more than just to save us and to help us grow, but to help us serve. And I pray that we would be reignited with enthusiasm and anticipation of how you'll do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.